You are listening to the Live Diet Free Podcast. I'm your host, Esther Avant, personal trainer, sports nutritionist, and weight loss coach. I'm here to help you lose weight for the last time without sacrificing your quality of life to do it. So pop your headphones in, go for a walk, and learn how to become the healthiest, happiest, and most confident version of yourself. Welcome back to the Live Diet Free Podcast. I'm getting self-conscious about starting the podcast the same way every time. Uh, but I don't know how else to start it. So I guess I just won't do anything about it. Um, today we're talking about how to learn to trust yourself around food. And I think this is a really necessary episode because the majority of women that I talk to have beliefs around food that need to be challenged. So that's what we're going to do today. I want to give kind of a disclaimer that you need to be, you need to want to do this work. You need to want to learn to trust yourself around food because it's going to take time and it's going to take effort. And if you aren't really bought into the process, if you, if you don't care about the outcome, then you're not going to do it. You're not going to be successful. So I guess that's to say you might not be in a place right now where you want to take this episode to heart, but you probably will be at some point in the future and it'll be here for you when you're ready. I think it's still worth listening to now and seeing what you can take from it. And some of you are listening and are like, yes, I need to work on my relationship with food, but I don't know where to begin. I don't know what that looks like. So when I talk about learning how to trust yourself around food, what I mean is how to feel more like you are in control and you are the one who calls the shots rather than you being kind of a... um, a victim to or um, unable to resist certain foods. I think a lot of our, most of our clients have weight loss goals, but also want to be healthy and want to have a better relationship with food. And I think there are a lot of programs that um, don't do all of those things very well, where one program may be super rigid, like macros focused and gets results, but just furthers, further kind of damages your relationship with food. Similarly with food, with programs where, you know, this is a list of foods that are allowed and this is a list that aren't. That just deepens your belief in dichotomous thinking. On the flip side, there are definitely programs that are focused solely on improving your relationship with food, but pay no attention to how that impacts your weight or your your physical health and any you know weight gain or things like that are, as a byproduct are kind of considered like well that's that is what it is because the focus is on your relationship with food. So I guess kind of in general I'm more of a moderate person where I can see both sides of things and I don't feel like you need to pick a side. I think you can work on both at the same time. So that's that's really what we do in our coaching is yes, we want to help you reach your weight loss and your aesthetic goals. And also we're not willing to sacrifice your health in the process. And we aren't willing, you know, and your health being physical and mental and emotional and things like that. So while we're helping you make the changes to your lifestyle and building the skills that you need to reach your goals, we're also doing it in a way that helps improve your relationship with food. So one of the things that I think is really important is that I kind of touched on this in the beginning, but I'm going to go about it a little bit differently. You need to want to fix this relationship. I often think about 
a friend I had in college. We were bartenders. She and I and her boyfriend were all bartenders at the same restaurant. And she, or bar, I guess, um, she was walking down the street and overheard girls behind her talking about how one of them had hooked up with the bartender who was my friend's boyfriend. Just like totally, totally randomly. She happened to be on the same street at the same time during this part of the conversation. And that's how she found out that he was cheating on her. I will bring this around full circle. Um, so ultimately, they are now, they have not been together in years. She, she's married. I don't know what happened to him. But um, in any case, for a very long time, they dragged out this relationship where the trust had been completely eroded. And they both said that they wanted to make it work. But based on the interactions that the rest of the staff saw, it didn't seem like they were ready to put this in the past. And I'm giving you that backstory because you, in order to learn to trust yourself around food, you need to wipe your past clean. You can't keep holding on to the belief that you can't be around certain foods or you're going to overeat, that you are powerless to sugar or things like that. You need to give yourself the grace that you need. You need to you know, give yourself the, 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 the forgiveness for whatever has happened in the past, whatever you have believed and done in the past. And you need to be willing to wipe the slate clean and focus on what your relationship with that food and food in general is going to look like moving forward. So that's where this couple went wrong is they didn't for you or she didn't forgive the past. They continued to fight about that same thing over and over again, which like, I don't, I don't blame her. That's a shitty situation to be in. But that's where you have kind of the decision is, do I want to remain in this relationship? And if I'm not willing to forgive the past, then I should not be in the relationship. And if I want to stay in the relationship, I need to be willing to move forward from it and allow him to earn back my trust. So that's what you're doing with yourself is you just need to, you need to decide. And like I said, I definitely think there's a time and a place to approach this. Um, and sometimes abstaining is the the better answer, at least temporarily. I kind of go back and forth. I've read The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin and the fact that, you know, there, there are people who personality-wise do better as just like abstaining and just kind of having... Um, having these rules for themselves that this is just not something I do. I don't entertain it. I don't think about it. It's a non-issue done deal. And some people who are more prone to moderating. So I'm not trying to like force everybody to be moderate, but I do think, as I talked about in one of the early book reviews about how personality isn't permanent, I think that sometimes we lean a little bit too much on characterizations of ourselves, sometimes to our own detriment. So you might identify with being an abstainer and maybe that works in certain areas. Maybe, you know, there, there are definitely areas that I think are more cut and dry than others. Like you can just decide, like, I don't want to be a smoker, period. I'm never going to smoke. I'm not going to you know decide to smoke a little bit or learn to trust myself with one cigarette, but not a whole pack. Like that, you know, that doesn't make sense. Same thing with alcohol. Like if you just decide that has no role in my life, that's fine. You certainly don't need to force it and try to make it a moderate part of your life. The reason I think food is different is because generally the foods that we tell ourselves we can't trust ourselves around are ones that we really enjoy and in a different scenario would enhance our quality of life. So while the foods that we, you know, maybe are like our trigger foods, they're not essential for life. You could just say, I don't need ice cream anymore. It's, it's too slippery a slope. I just don't want to get involved. You could do that and you're not damaging your health. 
your physical health anyway. Um, but if that's something that when your family goes out for ice cream, you're is going to have a really negative impact that you're like, oh no, I don't need ice cream, remember? And you're going to feel really down about it. That's when that's probably not the best solution. So I may have said this already, but there, there may be times that it's more appropriate for you to just make a clean break for a while. I did that for a long time, believe it or not, with pretzels where I was just like, I can't not overdo it right now. And I don't, I don't want to work on it because that seems like a lot of work. I would rather just not deal with them. And then that was like for years. And then at some point I was like, you know what? It seems silly. I can probably learn how to do this differently and be more moderate. And now it's important to me to learn how to do that. So that's what I was saying in the beginning that you might not be ready right now. And if you decide that, you know what? I have young kids, I have a demanding job. And while yes, I don't want to go the rest of my life without whatever. Um, right now it's just easier. Like I only have the bandwidth for a certain amount of things and this isn't one of them. So it's just not on the docket for right now. That's totally fine. This is more for those of you who are feeling like maybe that's how I approached it in the past. And what I've found myself doing now is going long periods of time without it and then really overdoing it and then swearing off it again and then overdoing it. And I don't like that pattern and I want to learn how to handle food differently. Or maybe you have done, you know, whole thirties or sugar detoxes or things like that. And you're just like, I feel amazing when I do no sugar, but then it creeps back in and you're like, you know what? This oscillation is not working. How do I just not eat so much of it that it is detrimental to me? So we're, we're back now. Um, so number one, being willing to wipe the slate clean. What you have done in the past does not need to affect your future. And the beliefs that you have, this I think is more important than anything, the beliefs that you have about your ability to control yourself around food and the beliefs you have about your relationships with food, you need to be willing to wipe those clean as well and rewrite them in a way that supports how you want to move forward. So that means not telling yourself anymore X food is my kryptonite. I can't control myself around this thing. I am a sugar addict, things like that. Those are not serving you. They may have in the past, but if you want to change your relationship with food and learn how to trust yourself again, you need to be willing to give up that identity. And that might be easier said than done. You may have people in your life where you bond over being sugar addicts or you bond over, you know, being bad and eating the donuts in the break room. And you deciding to change that belief and change that relationship may kind of force a wedge between you where that person isn't ready or willing to do this work. And now you're no longer like identifying in the same way. And you sort of, it can, it can impact that relationship. I don't think that's a reason to not do it, but you know, that's up to you. I, I would much prefer that we all surround ourselves with people who inspire us to be better and evolve and grow and um, rather than kind of bring us down or, or keeping us stuck where we are. So that's step number one. Step number two is you have to put yourself in positions where you can earn your trust back. So to go back to that couple from the bar, assuming they had wiped the slate clean and were willing to move forward, she would then need to allow him to live his life and not be attached to him at all times. She would need to be willing for him to go out with his friends without her and trust that he was not going to do this again. She would need to allow him to speak to female bar patrons without running over and glaring at them. 
where, you know, and I was talking about um, abstaining earlier, where I think a lot of us end up is we would like to have a better relationship with food. We'd like to be able to trust ourselves to have whatever food around and know that we're not going to eat it all the first time, you know, we look at it. But we're scared because that's what we've done before. So we, we avoid it. And like I said, where you are right now, that might make more sense. You might just not have the bandwidth to put yourself in that position. And I've done an episode um, 125, I think, about making over your kitchen so it's not a minefield. And part of that was just, you know, getting rid of the foods that are, you know, problematic for you. Um, so this is, you know, contradicting that a little bit, which, again, you need to be at the phase of the process where you're willing to do this work, where you're willing to reintroduce foods that you may have gone without for a while, or maybe you stopped buying. And they don't even necessarily need to come back into your house, but maybe you experiment with, and I think this is a great way to approach it, actually. Maybe you just have a massive sweet tooth, and what you're trying to work on is not letting an indulgence, an intentional indulgence, then snowball into eating everything else in sight. Usually that's tied into, we've told ourselves this is a bad food, we shouldn't be eating it if we're trying to lose weight. Now I ate it, even though it was on purpose and I enjoyed it and it tasted good. Now, in hindsight, I'm feeling guilty about it. And because I'm feeling guilty and feel like I already blew it, I might as well eat all the other things so then I can swear off them again. That's the pattern a lot of us are in. So one way you can start to test the waters, kind of dip your toe in a little bit, is to say, when we go out to eat, I'm going to order a dessert because it feels less um, less scary and less like dangerous than if I were to bring a cake into the house. So number one, it's going to be portion controlled. Worst case, I eat the entire thing myself, just like gobble it up and don't give, give anybody else a bite. Worst case, I do that. It's still you know just one slice. It might be a big one because you're at a restaurant, but it's still just one. Um, so how you put yourself in those positions might vary. And I probably wouldn't recommend starting with buying a Costco sheet cake to, to make sure you're not tempted by it. But what you wanna do is start collecting evidence that you do have control around food. Because you do and you always have, you just are in the habit of overlooking that and dwelling on the times that you haven't. If you're enjoying this episode, I want to invite you to join us in our coaching program, Gone for Good. Gone for Good is our signature 12-week coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your weight loss and health goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one -on -one options, we have a Gone For Good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after. Whether you want to lose five pounds, 50 pounds, or 150 pounds, we can help you in Gone For Good. For all the info and to join, go to estherabant.com coaching. So just by nature of not overeating everything in sight all the time, you are exhibiting control. There are probably only certain foods where you feel out of control and right now you're focusing on them. But the flip side is that I do have control around all this other stuff. And if I have control around this other stuff, it's within me. And I can learn to apply that same control to these harder foods. 
And that's what you really want to do is start collecting wins and start collecting some evidence that you are not actually completely powerless to chocolate, that you, that it's possible for you to have an ice cream cone or a milkshake without eating a whole, what's like the big one, a pint, a gallon, whatever, more, more than that. Um, and you have already done that as evidenced by the last time you went out to get ice cream with your kids and you didn't go back and get six more cones. You didn't say like, give me the rest of that tub. I need that right now. I'm this ice cream monster who cannot be controlled, right? You have, at times, you have had a a moderate amount of those things. Um, So that's what you want to be focusing on. And if you're the journaling type, maybe you want to use that as a prompt and write down, what are all the times I can think of that I exhibited control around what I consider my trigger foods? When you go to a wedding, do you eat the entire wedding cake yourself? Do you wipe out the entire dessert buffet? No, probably not. So all of those are examples. I know they seem like kind of extreme and ridiculous, but they're not. The point is that you are starting to shine some light on the fact that you have more control than you think and that you're giving yourself credit for. So like I said, that second piece is putting yourself in a position where you can earn that trust back. The reason that's scary is because the other outcome there is that you do the same thing you've always done and you feel like you're just further proving to yourself that you can't be trusted. So you need to be willing to do that. And that's where kind of the the strategy comes in is what is it going to look like to test the waters? Do I want to have a, um, you know, a, a baker, a date at the bakery with my kid where we split one or two things and then we leave and walk home and, you know, thereby proving to myself that it's possible for me to have a donut or half a donut and be done with it. I'd say step three is that you also need to be willing to reflect on those experiences and learn from them. And by that, I mean, potentially sitting with whatever uncomfortable feelings come up for you. So you may successfully do that thing, you know, have the ice cream or the dessert at a restaurant or do the bakery date and come home and be like, okay, yeah, I proved to myself that I can just have, you know, that little bit. So maybe you're saying that's not the issue, Esther. The issue is that then later I still feel guilty about it, even though it wasn't that much, even though, you know, I worked it into my day, I still feel badly about it because it feels like something I shouldn't have done. So first, sit with those feelings. Ideally, journal about them, have some sort of outlet for them where you can actually process them. What specifically am I feeling right now? Where do I feel it in my body? What does it feel like to feel guilty? Is it in my chest? Is it in my head? Is it in my stomach? What thought is driving that feeling? What thought is creating that feeling? Why do I feel guilty? The thought might be, I can't eat cake and and lose weight or something like that. Identify the, the... thought that is causing that feeling and then question it. I've talked about this in previous episodes, but our thoughts are not facts. We just take them as fact because we think them pretty frequently. So then it's about asking yourself, is that really true? Is it true that I can't lose weight if I have chocolate cake? No, it's not true. And even if you don't have personal experience with that yet, you can call on the stories of the client spotlight episodes we've done in this podcast where women are saying I'm eating, you know, the foods that I enjoy and still losing weight. I'm having dessert and I'm still losing weight. Um, and again, putting yourself in those positions will then allow you to see it for yourself. So once you're questioning that thought, you get to decide 
what thought you let be the predominant one in your head. You guys know I love that quote that I always butcher about how you can't stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can prevent it from building a nest in your hair. So those are your thoughts. You can't necessarily control the boom, the thought that pops into your mind first, but you decide whether or not it gets comfortable there. You can just like put it on the mental conveyor belt and get it out of there and decide to just correct yourself. Yes, I can. I can eat whatever I want and still lose weight because I'm unconscious of my overall calories. I can... Um, it's perfectly healthy to indulge a little bit when it's worth it. And I want to be someone who has that balance. You get to decide the thought that you kind of override it with. And then it's a matter of maybe write it down. But anytime that old thought, the one that makes you feel guilty pops into your head, correct yourself. It's going to take a lot. You're going to do it over and over and over again. But eventually it's going to be a little bit easier and it's going to the, the self-correction will come a little bit more naturally that you're just like, I should feel guilty. Nope, that's not true. That's not how I want to feel anymore. Um, and then I think the second piece of that is those of you who might say, yeah, the, that first, you know, indulgence itself, that, that dessert at the restaurant or that ice cream with the kids is not the problem. It's that then when I come home feeling guilty, that turns into me eating everything else that I can get my hands on because I feel like I've already blown it. So you're seeing here that it's also interconnected and there are so many different facets of how to really address this, that it's, it's not a cut and dry thing that you're going to, it's kind of like pulling its strands like a spider web that you're seeing like, oh, I didn't realize that this was tied in. I didn't realize that that was tied in. So that's why it's important to be able to notice and name your emotions, find the thoughts that are driving them um, and sit with the discomfort of negative emotions while you're working on not feeling guilty about that indulgence, also working on, okay, well, right now I am feeling guilty and that doesn't feel great, but it's okay. I don't need to react to it. I can just sit with that guilt and not, not do anything about it. It's going to see itself out. I'm going to just kind of ride this wave and I'm going to let it run its course. I don't need to respond with over-exercising. I don't need to respond with overeating. I don't need to respond with food restriction. I don't need to respond at all. I just need to ride this out. So that's another skill to practice. Um, and if you've listened to the kitchen um, cleanup episode, that goes hand in hand here. Because if you are testing the waters of improving your relationship with food and, and learning to trust yourself, if you're testing the waters by doing by putting yourself in those positions outside of the house, then one of the best ways to set yourself up for success is to make sure that when you come home, you don't have the option to then overdo it on more things. That if you've decided, okay, right now, while I'm, while I'm working through this process, I don't bring the chocolate, the cookies, the donuts, the ice cream into the house. At some point I will. At some point I'll get to that part of the process. But right now I'm testing the waters. I'm, I'm proving to myself that I have control outside of the house. And then I'm going to come home, I'm going to feel however I feel, but I won't have anything that I can overdo it on. Or I have at least pre-portioned and put those things out of sight and hard to reach so that it doesn't turn into the same kind of shit show that it has in the past. And then from there, it's up to you to decide what kind of the next steps look like. You are the one who matters when it comes to your relationship with food. So you might find that you're perfectly happy just knowing that you can indulge a little bit when you're out, but you feel more comfortable having your home be more of a safe haven where you're just like, yeah, I could learn to trust myself, but also a lot of the time I just don't want to. Or maybe like me, you 
learn how to be more in tune with like your stress levels and how spread thin you're feeling. And you know, there are certain times that it's not a problem to have this food around. It's easy for me to trust myself because I have the, the, the mental bandwidth to focus on it. And there are other times where I'm feeling stressed or spread thin where it would take more energy for me to, um, to do those things. And I don't want to spend that energy there. So nothing has to be, there's not like this linear progression where it's like wipe the slate clean, um, put yourself in these positions, do it out of the house, do it in the house. And then like, like you're done. It can look different at different times. So I know that like, for example, if, um, if gray deploys that first, you know, that initial couple weeks where I'm getting my footing, I'm getting new routines. I'm just kind of getting over like the sadness and loneliness and things like that. That's the last time that I want to be putting myself in a position where I need to, to practice all of these skills. I just want it to be easy. I want it to be effortless. And that means just not bringing certain foods into the house. But under normal circumstances where I have like all my faculties and I can focus, I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's worth it to me to feel, um, to feel like I can have these things around and not overdo it with them. So the same might, might be for you. What learning to trust yourself around food looks like is totally up to you. And like I said, maybe there are some foods that you want to work on and some foods that you don't. Maybe there's something that you often overeat, but like never even really enjoy. And you're like, you know what? The, the easiest and best thing for me to do is just like have that be a non-issue. And then there are these certain foods that I would really miss if I don't learn how to be more moderate with them. Therefore, I'm willing to devote the energy to learning to trust myself around them. But ultimately, that's what it boils down to. You got to you know, forgive yourself for the past. And then you have to put yourself in a position to earn that trust. And I guess like, I didn't really label it as such, but the third piece of that kind of encompassing that last part about learning to, um, name your emotions and and figure out the thoughts that are driving them would be developing ways to communicate with yourself, just like a couple in a relationship needs to have open communication where the, you know, either person can go and say, I felt insecure about this, or this made me feel, um, you know, this looked a certain way. And I just want to hear from you. I want to understand what was going on or, you know, I'm having a hard time with that. Being able to have a dialogue and, you know, feel seen and heard and understood also applies to yourself and learning to trust yourself with food. So that's where the journaling comes in, you know, maybe food therapy or just kind of learning to sit with those emotions and that discomfort and figure out what's really beneath the surface here. And what is, what is my brain? What is my body trying to tell me? What do I want to do with this information? How am I going to use it to strengthen my self-trust going forward and know that the work that I'm putting in, though it's not easy, it really is worth it to feel like someone who has a rock solid relationship with food and can be trusted you know, no matter the circumstance. Hopefully this is a helpful episode for you guys. I will be back next week with another one. And until then, I hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Live Diet Free Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've listened to them all, I appreciate you being here. One way you can help this podcast succeed is to subscribe, rate, and review it. If you don't mind doing those things, I would love to thank you with a copy of our weekend survival guide designed to help you have weekends you enjoy that don't set you back from reaching your goals. Just send a screenshot of your review to admin at estheravant.com and we'll send it over. And don't forget to check out estheravant.com slash coaching for all the info about our Gone for Good coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your health and weight loss goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise and nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. 
With both group and one-on-one -on -one options, we have a Gone for Good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every, every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after.